I don't know about you, but just as just over the last couple of days, I and even this morning as I sat out my deck and just just prayed, uh, it really. Uh, I mean, if you really don't know, I mean, <laughs> we've had a tragedy that's really hit our country, uh, and it's not just one tragedy. I believe that there's many people here that you face tragedies of different kinds. Maybe it's a it's a personal one, but people face tragedies from varying degrees all through our life. But today. I believe this is something that has really, uh, has really touched our nation in a, in a deep way. One of the things I, I personally felt was this, that, thanks guys, um, this morning I could feel the shock that seems to have come over our nation. Sometimes you don't even know what you're feeling, but uh, you know that something has just come over your soul. It's like almost like a, a black cloud that comes over your soul. It's almost like some people feel it to some degree, to one degree or another, uh, even though that we, we weren't directly involved, or um, I personally wasn't. But one of the things you find is that whenever uh, people face tragedy, whenever people face grief, whenever people face circumstances like this, it can bring a, a black cloud over people. And you find that uh, whenever somebody experiences uh, something traumatic in their life. It's all of a sudden goes quiet. Uh, it, 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 all of a sudden you, you, you feel, I mean, you, you could use different words, but you could feel like a, a vacuum just sucks the breath out. Uh, whenever you're around somebody who's, who's experienced a tragedy, like a suicide or something like that, you feel like, the breath has been sucked out. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it was only just a couple of weeks ago when I last spoke where the fact we couldn't have Pastor Luca was there was a suicide. And one of the things that I experienced in talking with him was the breath had been sucked out. And even in, the, in a leadership meeting I'd spoken at just prior to that uh, or around that time, I made reference to a book. I didn't see it coming. And all of us have things in our life personally that we face that we just don't see coming. How many people know what I'm talking about? It almost like it blindsides you. And whenever something like that blindsides you, you get to a place in your heart where it feels like the breath has been sucked out of you, where it feels like you are suffocating, where it feels like you just don't know how to respond. And one of the things I felt for our nation, uh, just in the light of, of, of the recent tragedy, was there was a, it was almost like the breath got sucked out of our nation for a little bit. And I don't know about you, but I, I, I feel it in the atmosphere this morning. I feel it, um, uh, I, I feel like a spiritual shock has come across our nation because no one ever thought that would ever happen here. You know what I'm talking about. But nonetheless, it has happened. The question is, what now will we do about it? Uh, and, and all of us face tragedy in different ways. Uh, people here, you have faced tragedy in your own personal way. Tragedy has touched your life in some way or another. How many people, I mean, you don't have to raise your hand, but um, many of us will experience tragedy to various degrees that face our life. And often the question people are left with is, why? How did this happen? I didn't see it coming. In some respects, yes. If in hindsight, you can see the signs of it. But nonetheless, it doesn't matter how many times 
we can be warned. It just seems to blindside us. And maybe you're feeling that here. Maybe your personal life is genuinely okay, but you may be experiencing just a flatness. What that is, it's a spiritual attack that's come over our nation. And, uh, and I want to talk a little bit about this morning about how we, how we ought to respond or, or what can we do about this. Because I believe that, uh, and you actually don't have to look very far to see, that although this is a national tragedy, people do face tragedies. I mean, the rate of suicide is phenomenal in our country. The rate of suicide is phenomenal. The rate of depression or the, the degree of depression that many people face is phenomenal in our country. And there, even in the church world, there's a whole bunch of reasons and medications that are prescribed. And I'm not against medications by any means, please. But one of the things that we forget or are completely off, sometimes oblivious of, is actually there's a spiritual power that operates over people's lives, that operates over territories, that operates over nations, that operates over regions. And those, those, those spiritual powers are there to destruct and wreak havoc upon the face of the earth. And there's one significant reason why, and this is the reason why, is that you and I are made in the image of Christ. You are made in the image of God. The, one of the main reasons that you were created was this, to reflect the image, the glory, the goodness and the victory that is in Jesus Christ. There is no other creation on earth. There is no tree that looks like God does. You are created in the image of God. You and I are created to bear the image of, of God. The Bible also says that we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. That same devil that tried to distort the image of God, which is you, is still working in and wreaking havoc in people's lives. That's why church can never, ever be just a place of entertainment. That's why the church and my role in your life can never just be a place to tickle your fancies. Our role, who we are in life, is to bring the glory of God not just in our own life, but to bring it into the world around us. That was the mandate from the beginning of time. It is still our mandate. It's your mandate. You were made in the image of Christ. So whenever the devil looks at a person, he sees not just a person, he sees the image of God. The role of a church is never just to entertain people. There's some entertainment. We can dance. But actually, our primary role, there is a spiritual dynamic that operates around people's lives, that operates around nations, that operates around communities, that operates around people. And for a large degree, people can get blindsided by it because their eyes become dull. That's one of the main strategies of the devil, is to dull people's eyes and awareness of the spiritual dimension. It's far beyond coming to hear a a message that you've preached seven points and you can make your life better in this various degrees. It's far more than that. There is a deeper and much powerful spiritual dynamic that operates over people's lives. And you are in one of the greatest places in this house that has some of the greatest people in the, in the face of the earth that knows how to shift dynamics off people's lives. 
And yet people can get caught up with little trivial things. I wept on my deck this morning. I just really couldn't stop crying as I meditated on a few thoughts. Well, I just want to share a couple with you this morning. When, when Kate and I, in 2011, uh, 2009, 2000-something, <laughs> time flies, um, the eyes of the world were on terrorism. The eyes of the world were on the tragedies that were happening in the Middle East. It was almost like the world was shocked about what was going on in the world. You can, you can see how, how quickly time has moved past now because now it's become, a, a, a time has changed. The, the, the effect of it is still real, but the initial impact has, has, has subsided. But nonetheless, when we were in that time, the world was in shock at the amount and the degree of terrorism that was happening in the world. You may remember it, you may not. It was at that time where God spoke to Caden and I about moving to Pakistan. All of the eyes on the world were on, on the nation of Pakistan, the epicenter of terrorism. You following me? Yeah. The eyes of the world were on terrorism. People wanted to kill them. People wanted to just say, just wipe them off the face of the earth. Just nuke the place. Some people were thinking, turn the whole flipping place into a lake. That was the attitude that people had in some places of the world. One of the things I found was this. There was a, there was a message that, that was preached a while ago and was found in Genesis chapter 2. And this was the main reason that we went. The main reason was this, that we're in the beginning of Genesis where God had created such a beautiful garden. That was his design the whole, long, the whole way, all the way along. But then when sin entered the, into the world, destruction also entered in the world. Death entered into the world. But God never, ever left it like that. The Bible says that uh, after the fall, after, the, uh, after Adam and Eve have, had, had fallen and death and sin had entered into the world, the Bible talks about there was a river. Well, there was four rivers that flowed. And uh, one of the rivers was um, Pishon, which means, um, it means hope. Actually, I'm just going to bring it out because it's such a powerful, powerful piece of scripture. In Genesis chapter 12, in Genesis chapter 2, in verse 10 to 12, now a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it parted and became four riverheads. The, first, the name of the first one is Pishon, meaning hope. It is the one that skirts the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold, and the gold of that land is good. One of the thing, one of the scriptures that there was a scripture that really spoke to our hearts that actually that wherever the, the word havala means suffering it means a, a a a country or a region of suffering, so the scripture is telling us here that wherever there is suffering or whenever there is suffering fills the land. Whenever there is suffering that fills the world, whenever there is suffering that fills your life. Because to a large degree, it may not immediately affect you. But you may have your own world that is full of suffering. Maybe you've got suffering in your heart. Maybe you've got suffering in your relationships. Maybe you've got suffering in the world. There is suffering that is all through the world. But right in the middle, you see a river that flows through. It 
It was the scripture that God spoke to Kate and I about going there, that even though this place is a place of suffering, that there is a river that finds its way in there and that there is gold inside of that land. Your eyes can be so caught up on suffering that one, you can miss that there is a river that flows. Your eyes can get so caught up on your failures and the, and the suffering that you miss the fact that there is gold in this land. There's treasures of every kind in this land. I want to tell you, friends, it doesn't matter even in your personal life. You may have uh, suffering in your personal life right now. You may be experiencing loss. You may be experiencing trauma. Your whole world might have collapsed somewhere. But I want to tell you today, it has not completely collapsed. That regardless of the devastation, regardless of what you're experiencing in your life, there is gold inside of you. That there is a river of hope somewhere. One of the things that we found is that we went to the land. That's, I saw things that you'd never, I could never erase from my imagination. Tragedy, you could have never imagine. I can still smell the smoke in life. I close my eyes. I can still see the blood. So I've experienced tragedy. It's not just something that I'm just speaking out. I've been amongst hundreds of people desperately pleading for guns to defend themselves. I've held in my arms the, the lifeless body of loved ones. I've experienced it. Right in the middle there. It was, Pakistan was a place that hardly any missionaries would go to. But yet, in the middle of that, there was a seam of gold. And for us as Christians, for us as believers, one of the things we have to have a rest and assurances in this, that whenever there is suffering, that's when God's life can show, shine the most. It truly is. Pakistan, in the last ten years since we've since, uh, last not eight eight years since we've been there, has now become a place where even at this moment, Pastor Alwa will be holding a crusade with hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people, where they will experience miracles, creative miracles. People will come back to the life. This is now happening on a regular basis. Not only that, the, ma the, the amount of hope that is starting to arise in many Christians, and that nation has changed within the space of, uh, within 10 years as a result of somebody saying, I am determined to bring hope into this world. I believe that it doesn't matter how many terrorists are born here, that there is gold in this country. There's always a river of hope. Maybe you're in a place of dis despair or pain right now. I want to tell you, find your way to the river. Because in that river, the Lord is standing there waiting for you. And you know what? Sometimes you have to find your way to the river. There was a time when I was facing a different type of devastation. And it went on for a long time. But somehow... I had to find my way to the river. And it's in the journey of finding your way to the river 
It's a painful season. But when you discover it, your life will be changed. And you'll discover treasures that you never knew that were inside of you and started to come forth. Hello? Depression is something that's facing many, many New Zealanders. Something that um, many Christians don't even, we don't even know how to handle it. What's our take on it? What's our position? What do we do about depression? So many people, their, their, their depression is getting to the point where they, where they do commit suicide. You find that depression, one of the things you find is this, that there's nothing new in the world today that hasn't been, is not in the scripture. Sometimes it's easy to think that there is nothing that we experience in the world today that is not already in Scripture. There is nothing that you and I are experiencing in this world today that Jesus Christ has not overcome. Not one bit. Not one bit. Colonialism. It's not a new thing. It was in the Bible. Jesus taught people how to move past it and come into a place of victory. And it's not a new thing. Suicide is not a new thing. Depression is not a new thing. <laughs> you look at the story of David. If you look at all through the Psalms, you'll find that there's a large section of the Psalms where David is talking about how low and how miserable his soul is. David had a a great prophecy that he's going to be anointed king. Oh, awesome. I love those kind of prophecies. God, you anoint me king. You're going to make me famous. You're going to bless me, Lord. You're going to just pour out all the... This is going to be, this is going to be just fantastic, and life is going to be roses. and just. But yet for a significant amount of years, not just a day or a week or a month, we're talking about years, he had to go through a deep, dark depression. He had to face the black dog. And it's easy to read the Psalms and just let it slide over your head. But actually one of the most significant things, and one of the things that you see in the Psalms is this. Uh, you can, when you start to read it, when you start to listen to the language that are used, Psalms are poems. And in verse 42, uh, in Psalm Psalm chapter, Psalm chapter 42. Psalm chapter 42. Let's bring it out. In verse 3, uh, in verse 2, and it says, My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When I shall come up and appear before God, when shall I come up and appear before God? In other words, when shall my breakthrough be? He said, My tears have been my food day and night. While they continually say to me, where is your God? He goes at the bottom of that Psalms, he asks the same question. My enemies surround me and they say, where is your God? David goes on to say, why? He said, uh, why are you so cast down within me, O my soul? Why are you so dis disquieting within me? Another, another version would say, 
Oh my God, my soul is in deep despair within me. And one of the things you notice about the Psalms is it's not just one time. It's a multitude of times. So obviously he is facing deep despair. So you're not the only one that's in the deep despair. We all face it. You may look at me and say, well, you're a pastor. He doesn't... (laughs) If you look at occupations in the world, if you look at the amount of pastors that suffer burnout, they even experience suicide and the amount of depression, don't you ever tell me that pastors never, ever feel depression? I'm not just talking hot air. Pastor Mike, have you ever experienced depression? (laughs) Actually, we've been through there, we go through there, but we know how to find our way out. If I didn't know how to find my way out, I would not be here today. And I want to help you learn to find a way out by not just taking pills. And I understand that sometimes there is a need for it. I'm not disputing that. What I'm, I am going to try and get to the root of the problem. But one of the things that you'll find is that despair and suicide and, 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 and um, is not new. In the, it's, it's in the Bible. People experienced it. People found a way through it. The Bible says that there is no temptation that has overcome you except which is common to man. In other words, there is nothing that you and I experience in life or face in life that no one else has gone through before. But he also says, uh, but there is always a way out. There is always a way through it. There is always a way through it. I want to encourage you today. It doesn't matter what you may be experiencing. There is always a way through it. You've got to understand there is a spiritual dynamic that operates it. At the end of the day, it is a spirit power that keeps people captive. Yes, it will affect bodies. Yes, it will affect chemical imbalances. All of that, but all of that does have a root, and it's spiritual. Hello? Interesting, this, this, the psalm is called, what's, the word around this psalm is called a maskil, M-A-S-K-I-L. It comes from a Hebrew word that means to make somebody wise or to instruct. So when you apply that to a psalm, it may mean this, that a song instructs or a song that is shaped or, or wisely crafted. In other words, when you're reading a song, which is, which is a maskil, in other words, it's, it's, it's a song or it's, yeah, it's a song that is, 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 is wisely put together for a certain outcome. It's not, for, it's not a song for the sake of singing a song. It is a song for the sake of a particular outcome. One of the things that you notice is this, is that people seem to remember songs more than they remember uh, other things. One of the, and just to, to reiterate the point, most people's theological position in America today is based upon the songs that they sing. Which leans this, that the songs that are sung affect our thoughts and affect our hearts and affect our spirit. That's why the whole of the Old Testament, or especially the whole Torah, is meant to be not read as a text, but be able to sung as a song. Why? So it gets in here because it's, it's a way of expressing that gets a particular outcome, that it, it expresses a message. So they intend to shape what our mind thinks and what our heart feels. 
Whenever a song is sung, one of the things you'll notice is this, that there is feelings that arise inside of your heart. You could read the text, and it would mean something. But if you sing the song, you could feel something around you. Yeah? That's why the Psalms are always meant to be sung as a song. Why? Because there, there is something about song, there is something about music that shifts the atmosphere of heaven over your heart and over nations. And, and, and anywhere there is an atmosphere, you'll find that songs are used to be able to shift the atmosphere to one degree or another. One of the things you notice about despair is this, is it causes vision and perspective to come very short, small, and narrow. Despair causes people's vision or perspective to come very short. In other words, they only see today. They don't see tomorrow. They only see small. They don't have the capacity to compare what they're experiencing with something else. One of the things, for, for example, is sometimes I get into a dark spiral. <laughs> Things aren't working out. And sometimes I, I know it's spiritual. It starts to cause me to come down. One of the things I know how to get out of it is to shift my perspective. All I have to do is just pull out a picture of somebody who's... Uh, who I know that have had an experience that is far, far worse off than mine, and all of a sudden my perspective has shifted. One of the things you notice about the spirit that comes around people is it brings people's vision right down small. They'll think just today, they won't think down the track a little bit further. They won't think that, yeah, God is a God of hope. Yes, I may be in trouble now, but my God, he is more than able. You'll find when somebody is starting to get into a place of depression or, or, or despair because their thinking, their perspective comes down. That's why it's important to get out on a mission trip. That's why it's important to get an experience outside your own small world. Because actually what you're experiencing would be somebody else's dream. Sometimes I get despaired over financial situations. But then I start to think, well, actually, the fact is I do have some money. <laughs> I get brought down over some stuff, and, but then I've got to remember, actually, no, somebody right now somewhere is being physically tortured for their faith. <laughs> Hello. Oh, we've got this building. We need to do the things on the building. Well, someone else's place, someone else's country, the buildings are being bombed. <laughs> Perspective suddenly starts to shift. I'm not going to go in, into it all, but one of the things I, wanna, I do want to bring out is one, that despair can be caused, or depression is often caused by uh, a, a number of things. And I'm not going to elaborate. I'm only going to elaborate on, on, one, uh, on one of these uh, one of, the, one of the first things is depression is, is really anger that's turned inward. In other words, it's self-hate. There's always, when people are in a place of depression, one of the things you notice about it in New Zealand is New Zealand, is, although it's so beautiful place, there's a lot of angry people. Either the anger is expressed outwardly or it's turned inwardly, into, which becomes depression. It becomes a self-hate issue. Pastor Mike can bring, bring something out of that. One of the things that can also cause depression, depression is prolonged illness. 
people that have been sick for long periods of time, you'll find that it, it just starts to spiral down. You're struggling with an infirmity. It just wears you down after a while. Another one is prolonged grief. Prolonged grief. Interesting thing about prolonged grief is this. Is that when I was studying grief, the Jewish people and and other cultures I know, I, I particularly studied the Jewish one, was that there is a process they have for grief. In other words, grief could not be lifetime. There was a a finite period for your grief. In other words, there was a process that was set in place to help you process your grief, but then also to find healing and then to bring closure to the grief. When When grief is prolonged, you'll find that it starts to bring people into a place of depression. When your grief becomes a place or place of your identity, you'll find that it will bring you into a place of depression and despair. But one of the things you find is in the Hebrew culture, there's about five stages of processing grief. Then, and there was an end point. It was ungodly to carry grief for your entire life. Why? Because of the effect that it has on you and the effect that it has on the people around you. It can come as a spiritual attack. In 1 Kings 19, uh, came against Elijah. Elijah, a great prophet of God. He ended up running to the wilderness and hiding in a cave. Interesting, it took the Lord a good effort to get him out of that cave. He had to ask him twice, what are you doing here? Two times the Lord asked him what he was doing there into the cave. The first time he was in the cave, the Lord said, what are you doing here? After he had already had an angelic visitation, he, was, he went from the wilderness and hid in the cave. Amen. He asked him, asked him in the cave, what are you doing here? His next response was to go and stand at the entrance of the cave. But he's still in the cave. And then the Lord asked him again, what are you doing here? That's how deep some people can get into depression. But actually it was a, a demonic stronghold that came around this particular individual. One of the main causes of depression, I believe, is this, is lost hope. Hope is the oxygen of your soul. When hope is gone, the soul suffocates. Depression is the soul suffocating. The Bible also says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. Just as you cannot breathe, you cannot live without oxygen. When hope is sucked out of your life, your soul begins to suffocate. And when something is suffocating, it shrinks things in. That's why it shrinks your perspective in. That's why it shrinks your attitudes. That's why it shrinks your heart in. Whenever something suffocates, it sucks in. But you can always tell the symptoms earlier on. I've started to, people start to isolate themselves. Instead of connecting with people, instead of relating, instead of giving, they start to just hold on. 
Hope is suff- uh, the loss of hope or despair is the suffocation of the soul. But there is a way forward from that. Interesting, I've been reading this, uh, the story of a, of a, of a, of a Jewish psych, psych, psychologist. His name is Viktor Frankl. Viktor Frankl was one of those who was in the concentration camp. The trauma that came over the Israelite people, the, the Jewish people at that time, the sudden taking away from families, the sudden pulling away, the sudden capture and taken into vans and deep, dark prisons. Can you imagine what that would feel like? All of a sudden, all hope had been lost. But Viktor Frankl did something. If you think you're struggling with depression, let's talk with somebody about who's been held in, in a concentration camp for a number of years. And, and then, then start to compare your depression. I'm not saying that you're not suffering. What I'm saying is that it helps start to get perspective on things. So this particular individual, Viktor Frankl, was an expert on the subject. And he described despair as this. He's one of the most foremost thinkers and respected doctors on this. He simply described despair as this. Meaningless suffering. Meaningless suffering. He even made a little, uh, a little, uh, a a mathematician thing. D equals S minus M. In other words, despair equals suffering minus meaning. The opposite meaning of this is that is this, that despair can be healed by helping the person discover meaning for their life. Viktor Frankl was a man who saved many people from committing suicide in that place. People experiencing worse atrocities than you and I could ever imagine, yet he saved their life. The way he saved their life was to give them meaning in their life. Spoke to the mums. You got people to look after. Spoke to the guys. You got businesses to create. There's something that God has for your life. There is something that God has got for you to do in this life. You cannot die now. You can't. It's not your time to go right now. God has got a purpose for your life. This is what your purpose is. It's not to, he wasn't just saying God's got a purpose. He said, this is what God has called you to do. This is what God has called you to become. Young kid, God has called you to become a great person, a great mum, a great dad, a great visit. That is a strategy to help people overcome depression. The issue is this, I believe, in many regards. Many people, in li- every person in life is pursuing something. But it's what you are pursuing will either make or break the difference of whether you can come out of depression or not. Let me tell you. You want to know? I'm happy to keep it to myself. (laughs) When I look around as a pastor, and I look around the community, nearly every person I speak to, well, most people, I'm, I'm speaking very generally, generally here. 
Many people are just in the pursuit of happiness. That's it. Let me tell you the problem with that pursuit alone. Is that happiness is based on an emotional state. Happiness is a snapshot of a person's emotional state at a single moat point in time. There are days when I'm happy. There are days when I'm not happy. How many people know what I'm talking about? But if your life is dedicated just to pursue happiness, just that your life would be happy, you're setting yourself up for a lifetime of pain. God never designed life that you would just be happy. But if that's just what you pursue, that I just have enough money so that I'll be happy for the rest of my life, guess what? You'll find that's not going to happen. You'll be pursuing the air. Because happiness is just that. It's just a snapshot. You may be here and you're just trying to pursue happiness. Coming to church just so you can be happy. Forget it. You're going to have happy moments, but you're also going to have sad moments. I have sad moments. I have a lot of them. I have a lot of depressed moments. A lot of angry moments. I've got a lot of hurtful moments in my heart. So if I base my whole life around what makes me happy, I'd be fishing. And even then I'd get hacked off because something will happen on the boat that will just really annoy the heck out of me. Stupid thing. If you come into church, if you want God in your life just so you'd be happy. <laughs> Sell ice cream for the rest of your life. Meaning by contrast is different. Meaning is about having a sense of purpose in your life. You can be having a sense of purpose in your life, but very unhappy. But nonetheless, you've still got a sense of meaning and purpose. Happiness is largely about how you feel in the present. Meaning, meaning is about how you'll judge your life as a whole, your past, your present, and your future. It is the, all about the trust and belief that God has a unique purpose for your life. Hello? It may not look like it. It may not feel like it. You talk to, talk to the Jewish people. Talk to Joseph. Talk to David. Talk to Jesus. Tell Jesus how unhappy you are. How mean people have been to you. How mean your bosses. Go on, tell them. Tell Job. <laughs> tell Peter. Tell Apostle Paul. He's a good one. Tell Apostle Paul how mean people are to you. How unhappy your life is. <laughs> Every one of them have experienced dark and deep moments. But what brought people through, what brings me through every time is this, that my life is never meant just to be happy. But my, my life is meant to be full of meaning and full of purpose. 
that no matter how dark and depressed I get, there's a little voice that says inside of my life, God's got a purpose for your life. You are called to bring hope to people who are in worse oppositions than you are. You are called not just to be happy. You are called to bring the gospel. You are called to bring heaven to earth somewhere. Yes, you might be dark. Yes, you might be depressed. But fix your eyes on the mission that God has for you. That's why you've got to discover your purpose. Heck, God even wrote a book on it that sold millions of copies around the world. Why is that? Just because it's a book on purpose? No, because it points to the fact that people are struggling with a sense of meaning in their life. God wasn't just want to make you happy. He wants to give you a sense of purpose in your life. A sense of purpose will bring you out of the darkest places. A sense of purpose for your life. A story, a, a vision for your life will bring you forward out of the deepest, darkest pits of hell. By golly. A dog is happy. But a dog doesn't have a sense of meaning inside of its spirit. A bird budgie in a cage can be happy. Singing along there. But it doesn't have a sense of meaning to it. That's what sets you apart from every other creation in the world today, is that nothing else carries a sense of meaning for their life apart from you. If you don't want to just identify as a dog, I mean, there's something you can probably do right now. I mean, just, I'll just scratch your back and you'll be fine. It's because you are uniquely wired to carry a sense of purpose for your life. It's because God has uniquely wired it inside of your life to identify who you are with Him and for His purposes for your life. It has nothing to do with nature. It's got nothing to do with what happens to us, but how we interpret what happens to us. That's a story for another time. That's why David said, in closing, therefore, after he's talked about how deep his depression is, think about that. In the midst of his depression, in the midst of his failings, remember this, that he had to get to the point, he got to the point where he groveled and drilled on the face of the earth he pretended like he was mad in order to escape. I don't think any one of you have got to that point yet. If it has, well, we can help you. Don't talk to me about how deep your depression is until you can compare it with some of the people in the Bible here. He got to that point in his life. Nowhere to turn to. deep and dark and depression. And in the midst of that, he still had the courage. He still had the sense of spirit to say these words. Therefore, I will remember you. Hello? Anyone there? Yes, I'm overcome. Yes, I feel like I'm in the darkest pit of the hole. Find me a pastor somewhere. I need a pastor. Somebody got a pastor. 
I need some money. I need, I need a coffee. I need a strong coffee. I need this. I need more money. I need this. No, 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 no. You didn't do nothing of that. Because when you are really in that point, none of those things will fix it. There's only one thing will fix it. Therefore, I will remember you. I'll remember what you spoke over my life. I will remember how you were with me back there. I'll remember when you were with me there. <laughs> I'll remember who you are. I remember what you've prophesied over my life. I will remember what you've called me to become. I will remember the day I was first saved. Even though it may seem like I'm going this way, I will still in my spirit remember and I still know who you are. It may take me a year or two to get round. But I know I just got to trust you that the ground I'm walking on may be a little rocky. It may be a little scary. It may be a little fiery. It may be a little painful. It may be a little bit alone. But I will remember. So right in that middle of David's pain, he remembers that little song. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord, O you spirit. Praise the Lord, your emotions. Praise the Lord, thought life. Praise the Lord, eyes. Lift up your eyes. You said, lift up your eyes to the hills to where your help comes from. Lift up your eyes. Praise the Lord, O my soul. In the midst of your pain, in the midst of your depression, in the midst of your failings, in the midst of your journey, as he starts to sing, remember this song has a, a way, the music has a way of stirring something inside of you. Oh, I got anointed, but then everyone rejected me. People tried to kill me, my old father-in-law. Oh, he's, he's. Had to grovel on the ground like as a madman. People thought I was crazy. Had nowhere to go. Even the non-Christians didn't even want me. But I remember that you anointed me to be king. I remember that you told me that you would never leave me. Remember, Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will find my way to that river. Maybe you've got to find your way to that river. It's not going to come just by somebody blessing you and casting your devils off you. There is something about the journey of finding your way to the river, discovering the gold, not just having somebody just point it out for you and say, oh, here it is on a plate. There is something about mining the gold for yourself. There is something about finding the water for yourself. Not just coming up in an older call and saying, pray for me and bless me and make my life all happy again. <laughs> so what has been built into my heart is this. It's from the dark moments, not by having somebody pray for me, but by in the dark moments, remembering what the Lord has talked to me about. People are saying this about you. People are saying that about you. People are saying this. 
Oh, praise the Lord, oh my soul. The hardest thing you'll ever have to do, especially in a place when you're in the most darkest, is to be able to lift your hands and say, praise the Lord, oh my soul. As we sing, as we sing, there's an emotional state over our nation. As we sing, there may be an emotional state over your life. It doesn't matter where you are. If you would just get to your feet, somehow find your way to the water, which is Jesus. With mud on your face, with brokenness in your life, come to Him. Lord, I bless you. It may not make a heck of a lot of sense, but I bless you anyway. Everything that is within me. Lift up your voice, come on. Come on, lift up your hands. Come on, lift up your voice. Praise the Lord. your hands in His presence this morning. Holy Spirit, would you come over your people? Holy Spirit, would you remind them of who you are? Remind us of who you are, Holy Spirit. Remind us again, Holy Spirit, of what you've called us to. Remind us again, Holy Spirit, Bring to remembrance that which is the enemy have tried to take it away. That you're a son and a daughter of the Most High God. You're a son and a daughter of the Most High God. You are born, you are called to be an ambassador of Christ. Sir, over here. You, you. 
want you to remember this. Both of you as a couple, remember this. Remember the call of God upon your life. He has brought you here for a reason and for a purpose. Don't let your heart be discouraged by what's by the path or the journey that's been on over here. Lift up your eyes again. There is a sound inside of your life. There is a voice inside of your life. There is a king inside of you, sir. There is somebody, there is a man, there is a king that God has put inside of you to stand up and to bring freedom to people in, the, in this nation. I pray that the Holy Spirit will come upon you afresh and remind you of who you are and what He's called you to be. You too, sister. God's got a great purpose for your life. God's got a great voice. There's a strength about you. Don't ever let the devil try and come and shrink your perspective again that this is going to be your life, that your life is only just a little bit. Heck no. No. God's got you on a little bit of a journey, but there is a highway in front of you. God's called you to be great ministers of God. Never, ever forget that. Ministers and, and creators of faith and hope in the world. Come on, give the Lord a shout of praise. I could just start prophesying, but you know, you all got to go home for lunch. <laughs> I was with Apostle Tamarit the other day, and uh, he said, he's probably watching right now, actually. <laughs> he said on his church, they are starting to line up on Friday for church on Sunday. See, all you Westerners struggle about an hour and a half, two hours. We go for 13. People are hungry for the power of God and they get tired of waiting after half an hour. <laughs> That's a good one, just messing with you. I don't encourage you, whatever you're facing in your life today, come to Jesus Christ. Even if you're a Christian, man, get to Christ again. Get, find your way to the water. If you're struggling, find your way to the water. Don't just come up on an older call and say, fix me and make it all go away. You find your way to that water. Find your way. Find your way. Remind yourself what God has called you to be and do. Amen. God bless you. See you tonight at the leaders' meeting.